On this episode of Digital Science Digest, we take a look at command and control systems, looking at IPTV distribution, and getting retailers and cinemas back to business with financing options. All that and more, next on Digital Science Digest. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Digital Signage Digest, episode 19, Back to Business. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is Digital Signage Digest. My name is Tim Albright in Portland, North Lane. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a number of different things. First, we're going to talk up, take a look at IPTV and uh, the, the distribution of IPTV and, and the inter- integration of that into digital signage with me today. Talk about that is my buddy Colin Parker from Xterity. Welcome, sir. Hi, Tim. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, you guys are, are based in in uh, um, uh, in in, the, in Europe. Uh, you and I have talked several different times, uh, both at Infocom and in ISC and, and other places. But let's talk for a second. First, I want to talk about um, video deployment, video over IP, uh, and IPTV specifically, is because one of the solutions that you guys you guys deal with. When it comes to specific verticals and, and how you guys are able to um, deliver that, let's talk first about finance and, and um, the, the banking industry. What are some of the areas that you have to cover and, and honestly deliver you know, not only video but also information to when it comes to the banking industry? So, you know, we have customers across the, the, the enterprise spectrum and, uh, you know, they all have a particular need for information and knowledge uh, and, and be able to track events. Um, in banking in particular, there's, uh, there's often uh, a, uh, a keen interest in um, having visible access to the latest news. And, you know, a lot of that stuff can be delivered straight to the desktop. But if you imagine um, a lot of our customers are, you know, large banks with large trading floors, um, actually they need much more screen real estate. And so they tend to have this information presented around the trading floor and the walls and large screens and using projectors and so on. Um, now they have to get that content to uh, to those devices uh, to provide that, that that information out. And so, you know, IPTV provides a very effective way of delivering that content uh, across the entire um, the entire facility to any device that, that requires it. So they use it for that. But of course, they also combine it with digital signage because they want to uh, often want to uh, you know, d- deliver the latest news on all the, all the news channels globally, uh, but then combine that with other, you know, information data feeds that are of value and interest uh, to them in the particular roles that they have. So, yeah, no, it, it's a really interesting area. Um, an awful lot of, you know, our customers are in the sort of the finance sector, whether that be it truly in banking, investment, um, you know, and, and then, of course, the, the whole the whole range of, um uh, trading companies who are, you know, dealing with commodities and you know, all the other things that go along with that, and, and use the systems to support the, the activities. And that, and that information, that that real time information, specifically talking about the trading companies, is, is imperative, right? And, and getting that information in a timely manner. Yes, absolutely imperative. And of course, they've got access to a whole range of other data sources, uh, but bringing that live television data source uh, to complement uh, everything else that they're, that they're doing that they're using. It uh, gives them the fullest, the fullest set of information and data available 
help them track what's going on, you know, globally, and that things that are influencing, uh, you know, pricing on on commodities and other other things, you know, on a, on a second by second basis. It's really quite an interesting world to work in. Not I'm not sure I could cope with the intensity of it, uh, you know, but but really important that those guys have got access to, uh, you know, that that information to help them make well informed decisions. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of real time information and how imperative it is, uh, one of the other ones you guys are dealing with right now is is education. And and we're recording this the the end of of or the the end of August uh, in in twenty twenty. Um, here in the States, some schools have started to go back. Some are just getting ready to, um, here in the last week, the university of North Carolina, um, in, in North Carolina, uh, went back to classes and suddenly said, you know what, we're, we're not going to, cause we have a number of, of already existing, uh, um, confirmed COVID cases. So <clears throat> beyond the, the normal, um, uh, era that we're in, uh, this is a, a new, a, a new normal to, to overuse and overused phrase. Um, but how, how do you guys help education facilities, especially in today's environment, get the information and get that real time information to folks, you know, regard whether it's, whether it's a, you know, a, a new outbreak or a new confirmed case or just getting, you know, getting students safely from point A to point B. So, you know, I, I think like, like many companies who are working in the digital science space and whose technology is being used in uh, you know, areas where there are, you know, lots of people transiting, so that's you know, in, in an enterprise, a big big office facility or an education or stadiums, whatever it might be. Um, we're being asked to help our customers, um, you know, help them communicate the, the, the new sets of rules which apply to uh, manage, uh, to manage, uh, I guess, both manage uh, the flow of people within space, but also to inform them of expectations in terms of, you know, you should be, you know, you should be standing so far from different people. You should be, um, you know, making sure that you, you, you wash your hands properly and you use sanitizer correctly, um, where it's necessary or appropriate, you're using a mask and all these other things that uh, may be uh, relevant. Um, so communicating all those, those requirements out well, but also, I mean, it's interesting, you know, we've had a number of uh, um, clients over the past, um, you know, week have been looking at, you know, what they're doing. Maybe they started off thinking, uh, right, we're just going to have um, some relatively static messaging that, you know, just tells people what to do, gives them the direction, shows them where to go, um, and uh, it gives them the instructions of, you know, the, the, the kind of routes to follow through the building. Um, but they're... they're Realizing, I guess that you know, they're appreciating that, uh, you know, as the day progresses, there's different information required to support, you know, to support the situation at that given point in time. So, yeah, in the morning, folk are all arriving at school. There's one message that has to be delivered, and then when folk are all in 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 school and in the classrooms, there's a different set of messaging around just you know the day that the transitioning between classrooms, um, you know, and then when you get to break times, different messaging maybe to do more with. You know, social distancing um, and measures to be taken around cleanliness. You know, when you're consuming food and everything else, and then when you're heading back to the classroom for the afternoon sessions, and at the end of day, instructing for what to do. You know, as they leave. So we're seeing um, more of our clients looking to um, create more, let's say, more sophisticated schedules. But you know, look look at not just signage as a as a static thing, but something which is uh, delivering value in that static sense. But but also looking at how you know they're using signage to help 
um, inform and educate the, the student body during the day so that at any point in the day there's a relevant message uh, to the student population, wherever they might be within, you know, within the school or, or the college, um, to help them you know, do what they're doing in the, I guess, in, in what is judged the safest way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I want to touch on before we hit the, 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 the next vertical. You guys are able to not just deliver to what I would say is, is traditional digital signage sign, right? It, 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 these are the displays that, that, that the integrators and, and the, the tech managers are going to put up on the walls. It's going to con convey all the, all the information. You guys are also able to deliver to desktops, right? You're able to interface with the, the, the network and, and the, the IT system and get that information, even if there's not a, a traditional signage display in the classroom, you're able to deliver that information to the desktop. How important is that? You know, it, it's really important. Um, it's, it's not just the desktop, it's also delivering to the mobile devices. So, you know, really, it, you don't have to physically be plugged into a network, but just having access to the network, whether that be, you know, a wireless or maybe even a mobile network. Um, you know, the technology allows content to be delivered to, uh, you know, anywhere, anywhere within the facility. And, you know, in education, you know, there's, there's lots of need for that just to kind of keep the information flowing. Uh, with a really interesting example, I mean, just jumping maybe onto uh, onto stadiums and venues, we, we, we're just at the end of the, the Premier uh, Premier League soccer season here in, in the UK. All the games have been played, but all the stadiums are empty. And uh, one of our one of our clients, uh, you know, they've got um, they've got journalists, but the journalists can't sit together, so they sit spread around the stadium, which is where they all used to be kind of in the press room, and they would have fixed screens. They're all spread around the stadium, and uh, new challenge for for the for, for the customer who hadn't to that point been using sort of wireless streaming. Um, yeah. And so using the technology which they, they had from Xterity and extending that so they could then deliver, uh, you know, the different, um, the different uh, video feeds that were part of the, the sort of the game broadcast system out to the journalists, wherever they might be, so that they could track all the different camera views and really quite a neat application. But, you know, similar to, you know, in con concept to what happens within so the schools be able to take that content that's on the network and deliver it out to pretty much anybody who needs it um, to support whatever the you know the situation might be. Yeah, sport the sporting industry globally is taking some of the some of the technologies that that you and I work with every day and creating some really really unique applications to, to serve themselves, right? Regardless of whether it's it's, cool. it's Premier League, right, or the NBA with with teams. Um, you know, it's it's really, really remarkable to see what the, what they're able to come up with. So, I think it's it is. really cool. We're seeing this across the board. Obviously, there's been huge investment in streaming technologies and collaboration technologies across all the sectors that we're involved in. Um, certainly, and in education, absolutely huge investments taking place. Um, but you know, as you see, when you look at the the sports industry, and you look at you know the the, the incredibly novel things they're trying to do. Um, you know. Uh, to engage the engage the fan and and make that experience, even if it's not in the stadium, to make that experience as engaging as possible. It's really very impressive. Um, you know, I, I guess, and I've I've we've been benefiting obviously um, as as a business, uh, you know, from it as we've supported our clients. But you know, it's also personally, I've been really. I mean, I I, I watch a lot of sport, and uh, I've been really impressed with uh, the 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 rapid improvement that the, the, the sports teams have made and, and, and the broadcasters have made in terms of how they present sports content over the past uh, few months. So, um, yeah. It's one of those things where you, you hope that after, 
after this pandemic, right? After this crisis is over and, and folks do start going back to stadiums. And what I would say is, is some semblance of, of normal normalcy that, that we had a year ago, that they keep some of those broadcast um, uh, systems that they put into place and some of those technologies that they put into place already. Absolutely true. I agree with you. And I think they will. I, I think um, regardless of, regardless of um, you know, how quickly pandemic challenges you know, fade away, um, you know, I think there's a, a lot of uh, kind of fundamental changes that have happened in terms of use of technology, uh, which I think will be with us for a long time to, to the positive benefit of, you know, all of us who are either, you know, working, being educated or, you know, enjoying, enjoying sports events. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, final uh, vertical here. We're going to look at it. Uh, it's it's not, not for nothing. It's not the least important. It's actually the most important right now. And that's healthcare, right? You guys are, are helping not just government installations and government, um, you know, National um, uh, Health Institute, but also, you know, um, folks that are trying to develop some of these vaccines. How are you guys able to, to leverage some of this information distribution, right, uh, and video distribution to help folks who are, are fighting this disease and trying to develop the vaccine? Yeah, you know, um, the technologies that we're involved with, I guess, you know, they, they really, you know, like all AV technologies, it's they're almost very general purpose. They can be used by a whole range of, of industries um, and to, to do their roles. And we've been very fortunate to, you know, have a number of clients who, um, you know, in, in the, the medical research space who um, use our technology to support their internal communication. So really, you know, we're, we, we're to some extent, we are uh, providing assistance uh, with the technology uh, to those organizations who are just getting information around, you know, and, and that's a key thing. Speed of deployment, speed of delivery of information, um, you know, because, uh, you know, even, yeah, I guess even these organizations have got to work in, in new ways themselves. Um, they, 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 they've got to do this, this fundamental research and development, and, but they've also got to operate um, their facilities in a way which becomes um, you know, I guess, um, uh, I would say uh, COVID safe, um, but, you know, the general facilities as well as the research facilities. Uh, and so we're very much involved in supporting that and providing that sort of um, uh, using digital signage and IPTV to support the delivery of information to make the uh, directivities a bit more efficient, a bit more effective. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Colin, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or find out more about how your technology can help them, uh, not only just in, in this crisis now, but also as, as we work our way out of it, how do they do that? Well, you know, they can contact us on our website, www.exterity.com. If they're in anywhere near Scotland, they can always come and visit, um, although we'll have to make sure they've washed their hands properly before they arrive. Um, and hopefully, you know, over the, the coming months, uh, as things begin to uh, unlock in the regions which we operate, um, more and more, um, myself and my team will be out working with our customers. And hopefully, Tim, I'll see you at a trade show soon. All right. Thank you, Colin. One of the areas where uh, IPTV comes together with a bunch of other stuff is command and control centers. And with me today to talk about command and control centers is John Story. John is from Datapath. Welcome, sir. Hello there. Hi, Tim. So I, I want to get into this for a little bit. One of the things that have, have, has happened uh, during the, the COVID-19 crisis uh, is folks are, are, are looking at their systems and um, going, okay, you know, do we need to, to upgrade now? Do we need to refurbish? Do we need to completely um, eliminate what we've, we've done in the past? And command and control is one of those areas where it's not. It be, they're, at least they're not doing um, complete uh, reduction. Actually, they're, they're, they're starting to look at it uh, and, and starting to expand and, 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 you know, kind of evolve their systems. 
when you guys talk to your clients uh, and obviously and their clients as well as they're you know designing new systems or at least upgrading, mm. what are some of the more common areas that you guys are are looking at and, and are are getting involved in? Well, I'd certainly agree that um, the sort of command and control market is still quite vibrant in these times, and and people are thinking about how the future is going to be and what the the infrastructure they need in that future. And I would say that um, you know I think we all agree that it's going to be different going forward, no matter, you know, virus or no virus, it's going to be different. Yeah. And if anything in the command and control market, I would say it's probably accelerated some of the trends that were about emerging in the, um, um, in the industry, about being able to more easily share information, not uh, as it was traditionally sharing by dint of a huge screen and people in the room, but sharing more to operators specifically, and then outside the room to, to other locations. So I think it's probably just accelerated a trend that has been growing in the industry. You, you mentioned sharing out, uh, information outside the, the, uh, the room, let's say, or outside the facility. One of the areas that, that folks uh, think about um, command and control is typically governments or you know, military and stuff like that. That has got to be tricky because you know, not only uh, to governments and, and uh, military uh, complexes not to like not like to be connected to the outside world, but when they are, it's it's got to be cumbersome. So how are you able to overcome some of those hurdles? Absolutely, and I think that's a key part of the convergence of the AV and the sort of IT uh, industries for AV over IP. That you've got to take serious security is a, a key part of what you're offering. So you've got to have that. You've got to be credible in both the usability of that security and the and the sort of credibility uh, of it. So uh, that's part of what we're sort of designing into our next uh, generation of products. But um, it's also about, you know, that there are different types of sharing and different requirements put on it. In the room, it's all about low latency and the quality because you are you are sort of uh, on top of every detail and that's your, your absolute 100% day job. Outside the room, you latency is less of an issue and you're, you're more sort of at the convenience of that stream. So, you know, that may go through um, various gateways to keep the security um, working so that you can have tight one-to-one -one secure channels into and out of a building, whereas within the building, you're much more flexible with your data. So Say that it, part again about latency because here's the thing, I, I, and, and I want you to, to hone in on this because one of the things that has has come up as a common um, metric or a common spec, whether regardless of whether it's AV over IP or, or distance um, or distribution for video, is the idea of latency. Yeah. And when it's between buildings, my understanding, and this is my, my, my understanding and my opinion based on that, when you're talking about in between buildings or even beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. Latency is not as much of an issue. And so... Talk about this for a second, but as, as why latency when you get outside of the room isn't that much of a concern. So um, you're expecting that people in the room who are the, the, the control parts of the command and control, you are wanting to interact with media. So the interaction has got to feel natural. It's got to feel immediate. So the latency is a, a key part of that. Um, outside... It's increasingly for information, and so you are looking for the convenience of that connection. 
so that you can deliver it to whatever device is appropriate in, in, the, in the instance. And in that case, you're likely to use heavier compression technologies, which invoke lower, longer latency, and you've got sort of queues across various network routers and things like that. So it's inevitably, um, it, it, the, the latency is longer, but it's, it's more of a um, consuming the information uh, and disseminating the information. So you're, you're less likely to be interacting with it. Okay. Now let's get back in, into the room for a second then and, and talk about when latency is an issue. One of the things that you guys are, are doing is the, um, is the ability to kind of to pass back and forth from the big screen, right? And, and you, you know, we're, good Lord, you and I are of a certain age that we both watch war games, right? Uh, at, at a certain uh, early 80s, kids, you know, look it up, Matthew Broderick. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but that's got, you know, that, that to me is when, when I think of command and control rooms, probably because it was one of the first ones probably I ever saw on film. That's what I think is you've got a big, a big wall. And now though, folks are passing information back and forth between the big wall and their local, uh, their local desktop. So, so talk about that for a second and the ability to kind of pass information back and forth and, and take it to your local, you know, your personal space and then throw it back up. You're absolutely right. That's, that's very much the sort of uh, trajectory of the industry. Uh, a command and control room is all about bringing information in to allow multiple people to assess it and to react to it. And that density of information in the past has been the control wall itself. It still is. The, the key stuff is there. But if you think about um, a desktop of an operator that has a number of 4K screens, yeah. the pixel sort of coverage of the canvas that that operator has is what you had on walls, you know, uh, up to quite recently. So there is a lot of information density available at the operator desk. And so there is more uh, information moving to there. And because then that's a personal thing, you want to have the ability to share that to another desk because it's about resource uh, pooling and management. So it's all about the sharing. But, um, you know, it's, it's now becoming a balance between um, how that information is presented globally to the room, locally to the desk, and then globally to places outside. So, you know, management um, 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 monitoring centers and things like that. It should be a continuum and, and it should be that the, the people uh, involved don't feel like they have to distinguish particularly. It should feel natural that this is just an act of sharing and I will share this information that I have to someone else without having to think too much about it. And I feel that's where the next generation of all-encompassing software, which allows you to do that uh, uninhibited sharing and, and collection of information, that's, that's sort of the next step. And that's where software and uh, control systems and, and sort of overarching um, intelligence comes into the sort of AV connectivity uh, solution. Yeah. And, and then you start having something that is really valuable. Absolutely. Real, real quickly before we let you go here, uh, as, as folks are looking at this, um, whether it's a, a refurbishment, it's an upgrade to an existing system or, or client says, hey, you know what, we, we finally need a control system or a control and command system. What are some of the, um, 
the network capabilities or the network requirements rather, the network requirements to make a system like that work seamlessly like you say, to mm. where the actual end user doesn't have to think about anything. So um, you are, um, you're likely to have uh, high bandwidth uh, networks locally and that gives you full multicast capability so anything can be shared multiple times to the wall and to, and to other operators. And to the uh, And that's going to effectively um, um, route out to lower bandwidth networks. And so any stream that I may want to juggle at high quality, low latency, and, and I'm willing to put the bandwidth in locally, I need to make sure that I can have a version of that that is appropriate for sending outside to lower um, speed networks and, and ones with you know, not as dependable connections. So having the streams in a, in a format that is available to everyone by default, rather than having to go through a hoop saying, this would be really great, but it's in XYZ high res format and I need it to go out to Fred Blogs on the golf course. It's, yeah. it's got to just be there. And I think as soon as you can make it be there and provide all those different sort of pathways, you've then got to manage all those pathways. And once you've done that, then you've got something powerful. All right, very good. Uh, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't ask you, since you are uh, a part of the R&D, uh, where, where are some of the, where are we headed with some of these things? And I'm not going to ask you to break an NDA or, you know, either get, get either of us in trouble. Um, but since you're in the, the, the R&D department, where do you think this technology is headed, let's say, in the next year or two? There's been um, clearly a, a lot of interest and a lot of uh, activity in AV over IP. Uh, as a, it started out as it's a better cable. Um, And then sort of it it morphed into it's a better matrix switch. And I think that is the continuation. We're now moving to, it's more than that. It's an interconnected um, uh, network where you have got full convergence with proper uh, software solutions. Uh, And so it's sort of, starts to really live up to the potential it was originally hyped at. All right, very good. John Story. We're uh, developing. So we're developing our own uh, software ecosystem to allow multiple wall controllers and workstations and high latency and low latency and local and, and um, um, you know, remote sort of access to all this information. I think that's the mix that we have to provide. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that because yeah, depending on depending on on the in infrastructure that the client has, you know, you guys have to be able to do it all. So, mm. all right, I appreciate John's story, uh, DataPath. Thank you, sir. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or DataPath? Pre best accessing is our website, which is uh, uh, DataPath.co.uk, and you can um, uh, have a good feel for all of our product range on there and a little bit about the organization. Thank you, John. Uh, one of the things that came across our desk this month uh, was very interesting with me. It, it was actually from, from NEC, NEC Financial Services, actually, not NEC uh, Display. We'll explain why that's important here in a second. But it's a program that's helping integrators as well as, as retailers, small businesses, uh, cinemas, get, kind of get, get their systems back up and running as they're getting back into business, but also upgrading their digital signage in a way that uh, is not a, a huge financial burden. With me today to talk about this program, first and foremost, is Deborah Jacoby from NEC and Bob Sanders from Reflect. Welcome, both of you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Great to be with you. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so let's kind of get into this. And, and, and Debbie, I want to start with you on this. It, when, when it comes to uh, NEC Financial Services, and again, NEC Financial Services is a separate entity from, from NEC Display uh, in general, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but this program where we're, we're looking at ways to not only help the integrators with, with financing, and, and, but also really ultimately helping their clients, the retail uh, folks, the folks in, in cinema and small, small and medium businesses, this program where we're looking at, at, at helping folks and, and getting them a product, getting them displays, getting them digital signage um, to help them kind of generate revenue when when you guys looked at this program, what were some of the the one or two uh, real you know the 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 key um, the key points here and the key um, areas that you guys wanted to hit on to make sure that you are helping you know those folks kind of generate revenue? Um, that's a good question. We looked early on and realized that as uh, everything was closing, businesses were closing. In order for them to reengage and open they were going to need a ramp up time to generate cash flow again. And so we actually started calling this the cash flow recovery program because we knew that if companies are going to open up and have to deploy, and we're looking at all different types of solutions today now, where it's for safety reasons, it's for awareness, um, there won't be generating cash flow immediately. So we realized that we were in a good position to defer the requirement of any payments from a customer the end user from the uh, customer of the integrator. And so that's how this began. We began with a program that had three steps, no money for 90 days, then a reduced payment for the next 12 months. And then the third step into remaining firm term of either 24 or 48 months with ownership to the user at the term end. So you're not really, so if I'm a smaller medium business or, or, you know, a retail establishment, I'm not, really cutting a check period for the first 90 days. Correct. All right. So and, let's, and as a matter of fact, yeah. we're paying the integrator at the time in which the customer signs our contract. So they're getting paid when they placing, when they're ready to place the orders, they're getting paid from us a hundred percent. See, and that right there is remarkable because not only are you, helping the, the end customer by delaying and foregoing certain payments to help them generate revenue. You're also generating revenue in a separate, in a separate uh, vertical here, and that's, that's what the integrators. Yes. We have right. limitations to how much they're going to get, but let's say um, on a transaction, uh, $75,000 of a transaction would be paid if we could commence the contract for the customer, the user immediately we'd release funds to the uh, AV integrator immediately. If transactions were to grow and we're used to seeing them grow, we have programs that we can add on top that allows us to flow the money in, in a construction loan type, short-term financing, so that we can follow the flow of a sales order that an integrator would have a customer sign at that time. Yeah. Bob, let's let's kind of dig into this for a second. Uh, what you guys, the work you guys do with Reflect and some of the the creatives that you do. Mm -hmm. Somebody sitting on the outside of this going, okay, that's great, and 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 you know, retail customers can get you know new signage and and stuff like that. How does that help them generate revenue, though? I mean, I mean, Debbie's, you know, and and NEC Financial is is offering you know a pretty good deal here. But you know, if they don't generate revenue in the first three months, yeah, of the first right. year, 
then you know, okay, they got they have new 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 gear, but that doesn't really do anything. How does that help them generate revenue? Yeah, great question. Arguably one of the most important uh, considerations as venues and retailers reopen is uh, a more engaging, more immersive uh, customer experience, and that includes in many cases leveraging some of the things that shoppers online have come to expect in sort of a blending of the digital and physical worlds. And so increasingly, that's driven by these digital experiences, and they can do a variety of things. They can feature certain promotions. They can be um, intelligent and play content based on the location and the time of day and other characteristics that help to create uh, better engagement with the brand, that help promote specific products that are more likely to catch on at a given point in time based on the characteristics in the environment. They can help increase the basket size or average sale price for somebody coming in. So a good example of this can might be an auto parts store, right? Where, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many parts, but the parts provider may have a private label brand that is really high quality and run promotions on that because not only does it bring great value to the customers, but it creates brand loyalty for them and drives higher margins for the business. So that's an example of one way. And there are just so many different ways that brands can leverage and, and venues can leverage these experiences to help engage the customers more effectively. And there are actually quite a few studies that demonstrate the difference between um, the engagement that they'll get from somebody who sees a static image versus a moving image or a digital sign. So part of what we wanted to do was allow them to begin to, to leverage those experiences, as Debbie said, even before they have the cash to do it, which in the past was not something they could do. The other thing is there's, there's an increasing requirement for them to communicate with customers and with their own team members. And one of the things that you can do with digital experiences, a lot of people don't realize is you use them during off hours and even sometimes during normal operating hours to educate the sales team or the associates that are working in that store so that they're better informed and can do a better job of serving the customers. And that's another great way to leverage the investment. Well, and also talk about this for a second, because the, one of the things that I've learned over, over the past few years of, of looking into and covering digital signage and that that is something that that kind of takes from the 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 web based the internet ads and that's the a a and b comparison or the a and b testing where you Absolutely. do have you know either two moving images or you do have that that legitimate moving image and a static image promoting the same product maybe and maybe with different calls to action right but you know showing folks and, and, and really kind of drilling drilling in and demonstrating the the power of digital signage to drive your behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And with sophisticated uh, digital signage platforms, there's really no limit to the amount of A-B testing you can do, and you can automatically deliver the right content based on a wide range of variables without a ton of overhead to manage that. So you really can get way more information. And of course, you know, uh, in the packages, we actually reference this, we can combine it with things like audience analytics mm -hmm. solutions so that yep. we can see to a certain extent how an audience reacts to given content and use that to more intelligently shape the message. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, Debbie, when we talk about uh, for a second the, the the relationship between NEC and and uh, NEC Financial Services and NEC Display Solutions, you, we, we talked about this for a second at the very beginning. You are two separate entities, but what are what is the relationship there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so NEC Corporate, well, NEC Financial Services LLC uh, consolidates to NEC Corporation of America, actually out of Dallas, Texas, which is actually the communications division. So NEC as a company has been in business for well over 100 years. Uh, Corporate parent is NEC in Japan. And so we were put in place, NEC Financial Services, as a captive leasing company for the communications division, which would be uh, phone systems, phone solutions for SMB and enterprise. So we have been in business actually 34 years as a financial organization. Um, we actually operate separate in the United States with our own, our own financial reporting, but we do consolidate to NEC Corporation of America. And we have a CEO that, we, that heads up NEC Financial, which is NEC Corporation of America. NEC Display Solutions America is in Itasca, and they report, you should look at us as separate silos. So our relationship has ties back in Japan but we operate separately in the United States. That being said, um, we do support the brand and it's not unusual to see specific promotions that support NEC branded panels, displays, audiovisual projection, whether it's uh, business projectors or digital cinema projectors. Uh, We support all of that Mm, under finance. Uh, Bob, talk about the, your, your typical integrator. Like, wh- who, who is, is um, the, the integrator that you guys work with, and, and how do they kind of start this process? Is, is it something where they, they identify a, a, a potential, um, a potential um, job here or a potential customer that, that you know what, they either you know, they really need this or, or they, you know, it's something where they could benefit, and then they start this process, or is it kind of, you know, where the customer comes to you guys and then you guys connect them with, with an integrator? Yeah, great question. And it's interesting because it's a bit of a transition right now for us, Tim. I would say historically, uh, customers would come to Reflect and they could buy an entire solution from Reflect. I think that increasingly and moving forward, we're looking to partner with integrators and that would be in both of those ways. So if a customer came to us and wants a deployment and we have a partnership with the integrator, then we're happy to have the integrator serve the customer, do the deployment, depending on the integrator and, and their business model and how they want to operate. They can actually procure the equipment on behalf of the customer, or we can do that. There are other professional services besides the deployment services that we can do that a lot of integrators don't do, or especially around creative strategy and design and content development. So we can augment those. So it really depends on the individual integrator. We are, when we find opportunities, we are regularly looking for partners to help us on the deployment side. But any integrator who has a customer or a prospect that they think can benefit from these packages, they're welcome to bring those to us. We will not go after that hardware business. I mean, frankly, that's where integrators really shine. And they're so strong at that. We would prefer to build partnering relationships to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Debbie, last kind of question here is, as we wrap up here, um, we, we, we talked about the, the, the separation and the differentiation between you know, NEC uh, financial services and NEC display. Does that mean that NEC financial services only 
supports or only provides financing for NEC products or is it, you know, um, it, it depends on the system? Thank you for asking the questions. Good one, because believe it or not, uh, we are completely agnostic to equipment. Okay. Uh, we learned early on that if we were going to help uh, integrators, resellers, dealers, they all are doing the same thing. They're looking to find customers and install uh, solutions. If we were going to make them and help them be successful, we had to provide a leasing program and financial solutions that were um, transparent. They, they needed to be able to support all manufacturers. So we support all manufacturers and technology uh, today and have for quite some time. Very good. All right, Bob, last kind of question here is, is, you know, um, when you're, if you're talking to, let's say that you're talking to a, a small business owner and, and they're looking at this going, you know what, this is a great, this is great. I, I appreciate it. Help, help me wrap my head around this, right? I, I understand that I don't have to pay anything for three months. I understand mm -hmm. after that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a slightly reduced uh, payment for the next 12 months. And after that, that's when the real stuff happens. Um, and whether it's, it's teaming with, with Reflect, it's teaming with an integrator, it's a combination of both. What happens once the system is in and you guys have gone home, right? And the integrators have gone home and it's a year from now, and, and maybe the first year was great because there was some hand-holding, but now I've got I've to create the content myself, right? I, I've got to come up with these ideas right. to, to drive right. revenue myself yeah. because I still have a two-year note here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by the way, for clarification, so the first year of the software, the SaaS services that deliver the content, that's included in what we're showing. Okay. There is follow-on, uh, recurring charges for the content delivery, though that's a relatively small part of a typical deployment. But you're asking a great question here, and it's, it's frankly one of the biggest challenges with digital signage. Um, it, it is how do you feed that content beast going forward? And for big companies, they may have an agency that they work with, or they may have uh, internal resources that are charged with responsibility because it's a it's a, a, a fundamental part of their business strategy and they have enough locations where they can afford to do that, right? But for yeah. small, mid-sized retailers, that's just not necessarily an option. So we actually have in-house creative resources and have had for many years. And in fact, we've won awards for our creative design also. So we can partner with them and we can provide those services to them. Uh, and in some cases we include that. I think in this offer, we actually have included up to 10 hours of really any content service that they need. The scheduling for a small retailer, we typically do that for them and it's included. Mm. Um, and you know, for bigger ones, again, they typically have their own teams that do that. So we definitely stick with them and we always assign an account manager. And that again, with an AV integrator, that would be in partnership with the integrator that's working with them to help make certain that the content stays fresh and that they're continuing to leverage that tool as effectively as possible to drive good business outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you both so much. Really quickly before I let you go, Debbie, um, how do people get, you know, find out more about this, this program? They can go to neclease.com to find out more about all of our programs. Um, I can be reached at uh, deborah.jacoby at neclease.com to have conversations because uh, it's not unusual for us to um, put out a 
program supports, uh, like the Retail Resurgence Program, and then develops uh, more unique programs that are specific to an AV an integrator's requirements as we uh, continue conversations. So I, I challenge uh, your audience to reach out to us, to me, you, to Bob. All right, you can get a hold of them at NACLease.com. Debbie, thank you so much. Bob, how do people get a hold of you or Reflect? So Reflect is ReflectSystems.com, and the actual landing page for the program is info.ReflectSystems.com forward slash retail dash resurgence. Kind of hard to remember, but if you go to the Reflect homepage, there's a pop-up for that. And I can be reached on LinkedIn at Bob Sanders, one word, or at bsanders at ReflectSystems.com. All right, and we'll put a, a direct link to that, to that landing page also on this episode's page. Thank you both so much. Thank Thanks, Tim. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you both so much. Uh, for us, for Aviation, you can find us on our website, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks that help us financially, help us bring you Digital Signage Digest, AV Weekend, Resi Weekend, all the others. So all that and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv.